Hello, and welcome back to the podcast. Here we are yet again on One Dark Universe, in a way to shine light into our inner universe. As a, as a self-made artist, athlete, and yogi, I do want to believe that as I continue on this journey, I will build up some level of what we may know as karma. Some energy that returns back to me I would say based on my actions and intentions. And so at times in any of those spaces, whether I'm an athlete, an artist, a yogi, you know, and I'm just trying to find my path from home, I would hope that I'm doing it right. And that with my intentions of not hurting anyone, that when karma shows up, it's more of a lesson than a suffering. So I want to read to you from a book um, by the author Satguru, and the book is called Karma. I'm reading from the section Violation, the basis of karma. It starts out with Sutra number two. Ultimately, life is neither suffering nor bliss. It is what you make it. The Consequences of Calculation It happened. On a certain evening, two friends were walking together. It was their weekly custom to visit a prostitute every Saturday evening. While they were walking around the prostitute's house, they heard a voice delivering a discourse on the Bhagavad Gita, India's great sacred text. One friend was seized with guilt. He decided not to visit the prostitute and said he would rather improve himself by attending the lecture on the Gita. The other man left him there and went ahead. Now, the man sitting in the lecture hall found his thoughts were full of his friend, were full of his friend who was with the prostitute. He began to envy him. While he was stuck in this lecture room, the other man he was convinced, was having the time of his life. He couldn't, help, he couldn't help feeling his friend was far more intelligent in choosing the brothel over a scriptural discord. Now, the man who had gone to the prostitute's house found, found his mind was filled with his friend at the lecture hall. He was filled with admiration for his friend who had chose the path of liberation by opting for a spiritual discourse over carnal pleasures. This story was often related by the great 20th century Indian mystic. I'm not going to pre- pretend to pronounce his name, but let's continue. He always drew attention to the central paradox. It is the man at the Gita discord who kept thinking about what was happening in the prostitute's house, who piled up the adverse karma. So what Sadhguru is saying here in the book, it was the man at the Gita discord, so the guy that was around the scripture, who piled up the adverse karma, not the other guy. It is he who suffered, based on the mystic's teaching, And he pointed out much more than the man who visited the prostitute. He pointed out is the man that went to the Gita who suffered and who focused his mind on the man who was with the prostitute.
as the story continues. Because although karma denotes action of body, mind, and energy, it is not about action alone. The man who went to the prostitute did not pile up as much karma as his friend because he did not make a calculation. His friend, on the other hand, secretly wished he was with her, but believed that by doing, but by going to the discord, he would get out step, he will get out step closer. He will get one step closer to heaven. That type of calculation meant an accusation of more karma. Ironically, the man who thought about how to shed karma actually ended up accumulating it. The man with the prostitute, on the other hand, was seized by a sense of the limitation of his experience that would have impelled him in the future to seek something more. So the experience with the prostitute became a trigger for his personal growth. This story points out two common mistakes. People often assume karma is only about external actions. They think performing acts of charity and virtue will earn them good karma. What they never quite realize is that it's all about something much subtler. Karma is much more fundamentally about violation. The reason why religion teaches all over the reason why religious teachers all over the world are always talking about love is that the moment you become loving, you are naturally at your best in relation to others. The moment you view everyone with love, your intention is automatically inclusive. Regardless of what blunders you may commit in the name of love, the karma still does not accumulate beyond that point or beyond a point. Your intention makes all the difference. If you say something prompted by love and another person gets hurt, that is his karma, not yours. But if you say something out of hatred and another person has no problem with it, it is good karma for them and not for you. You still acquire negative karma. How the recipient of your hatred reacts is not the point. The accumulation of karma is determined by your intention, not merely by its impact on someone else. Consider another situation. Let us say you are playing with a knife. It accidentally hits someone and they fall, to they fall down and die. This is one kind of karma. In another scenario, you get into an argument with someone while cutting vegetables. In the heat of the moment, you stab them and they die. In the third situation, you plan this murder, how you would dispose of your enemy. You pursue them and thus stab them with a knife. In the fourth scenario, you believe in a very friendly manner with some you behave in a very friendly manner with someone and invite them over to dinner. After a wonderful cordial meal, when they are sitting back satisfied, you slit their throat. This is yet another kind of karma. In a fifth situation, you are perfectly normal in your behavior with a person, but internally you keep plotting all the terrible things you want to do to them. In the first four cases, the same ingredients are present. You, the other person, the knife, and death. 
The karma, however, is not the same. It is not difficult to guess which will breed the worst karmas. By worse, I do not mean the most immoral. I mean that which creates the worst consequences for you. The consequences for the other person is the same, but the impact on you is determined by the nature of your violation. It is the level of the bitterness and hatred that causes karma, not the act alone. The fifth, the fifth scenario is actually the worst in terms of karmic accumulation. The first four talk about situations in which the result is the same for the other person. In the fifth, there is no consequence for the other person. They have been released from their karma. It is good for them. But your karma is much stronger because here you are repeating the act of a million you are repeating the act a million times within yourself. Acting out of bitterness, acting out of bitterness externally has a grave physically physical consequences for you, and you can even go to jail. But allowing the bitterness to grow and multiply within has never has even deeper internal consequences. Intention motivated by a person's agenda always occurs, always occurs much more karma. I'll say it again. Intention motivated by a person's agenda always occurs much more karma. If you keep repeating the same mental action, it is because you have a strong personal stake in the matter. You may not be sentenced to prison, but you have imprisoned yourself. It is, interesting that legal, it is interesting that legal systems in most parts of the world also take intentions into account when determining the punishment of a crime. A cold-blooded premeditated murder is treated quite differently, for instance, from a crime of passion committed in the heat of the moment. And yet the karmic consequences is not a punishment. The consequences is simply life's way of trying to work out the karma you are constantly creating. If you perform only negative mental karma, there may be no external consequences, but you experience a deeper level of internal suffering. What does working out karma mean? It means that, it means that the play of your life is happening according to your tendencies, not according to some system of right or wrong. Your life simply organizes itself in order to fulfill your inclinations. Karma is not a punishment or reward. It is just a process by which life tries to fulfill itself. A level of violation that many people are unaware of is action on the energy level. A negative thought, as you know, can breed karma. A negative thought combined with a negative emotion means a deeper karma. When a negative thought, when a negative thought, negative emotion, and negative external actions combine, there is even deeper karma. When a negative thought and negative emotion combine with a reoccurring mental action, that karma is deeper still. Killing someone in your head in a thousand different ways, as we saw, accumulates a great deal of karma. Now, however, there are those who opt for energy-based actions. This could mean engaging in the practice that results in the death of an, adverse, of an adversary, 
or a rival or any person they want to get out of the way. Such practices are known as occult or black magic. These, uh, these occult systems exist on the fringes of many cultures, wherein a few experts can be approached to use their energies to cause harm to someone else. Once you energetically try to influence someone else for your own benefit, it is the worst possible karma. The karma generated by energy-based action goes deeper than any other kind of action. Let us not forget that what is right violation let us not forget that what is right violation in one context might be marked might be marked differently in another. You have certain ideas of right and wrong because of the moral code of your society you live in. It is not your innate nature to dictate these codes. Society has certain fixed morals and rules. And even, and whenever you float them, you feel you have erred. Let me read that again. Society has certain fixed morals and rules. And whenever you, let's use the word, mess them up, you feel you have erred. You may never gamble before. You may have never gambled before your parents. You may never gamble before your parents, but you may do it quite easily with your friends. If you found out by your parents, if you were found out by your parents, you immediately start feeling guilty. Wearing a miniskirt in some parts of India may be considered outrageous. Similarly, being covered from top to toe in some parts of the world may be considered bizarre and inappropriate. These are not instinctually right or wrong behaviors. It is society that deems what they are. However, if dressing differently from the society norm includes guilt or shame in, in the wearing and in the wearer, it could mean the accumulation of karma because it happens. Sam was on his deathbed. Knowing his end was near, he summoned his lawyer. He said, I want to make a new will. I would look to leave my entire inheritance down to the last dollar to my wife. But I want to insist on just one precondition. She must marry within 90 days of my death. The lawyer was surprised. Why such a strange request, Sam? Well, I want at least one person to regret that I died. <laughs> so... What is very bitter for one person could be a blessing for another. One person's idea of hell could be another person's of heaven. Ideas of right and wrong are inherently relative. For example, Sam's idea, excuse me, for example, the Pedards, a bandit tribe of India, were trained to rob and kill. The members of this tribe even had gods who taught them skills and brought them the success in their banditry. When the British army was let loose on them, they were shot and killed indiscriminately. They were completely bewildered because in their perception, they had done nothing wrong. 
the Pindarn's idea of virtue was simply to be a good bandit. Thus, it is not simply doing a deed that accumulates karma. It is how you do it, and with what motivates it is performed that makes all the difference. All right, thank you for bearing with me through that reading. As I stated at the top of the reading, just wanted to share with you some ideas on karma. If I can sum that up real quick, as it stated, it is about the intentions of your actions and more so the intentions from yourself. You know, if you have bad thoughts and then you put bad actions behind them, the karma is heavy. If you have bad thoughts but put good thought or put good actions in front of them, the karma is not so heavy towards you. So you don't like somebody, but you keep doing good for them. The karma will come back to you, not them. So you can't complain that you try to do so good for them and they don't even appreciate it. What a son of a... No, that's on you. The unfortunateness is that we don't, as I speak for myself, I don't believe we live in a society where we can see karma in that way. We kind of don't understand the energy we put out and where we start from with it. So I wonder if you ever heard the saying, thoughts equals feelings equals actions equals results. Thoughts equals feelings equals actions equals results. It is in the category of emotional intelligence. You know, a way to be conscious as we are as the only beings on this planet a way to be conscious of the self or the idea of the self through these thoughts feelings and actions which bring a which bring about results so when we think about thoughts thoughts are what and how you think within the moment right where you are with your thinking and can you explain your experience or what your experience has brought you from your thinking essentially is your thoughts and then your feelings about them. The feelings are the return from the body and the brain that communicates to the mind, right? How to emotionally hold it all together. So your feelings is that return from the body and the mind, like a communication, or I would say a return from the body and the brain as a communication to the mind how to emotionally hold it all together as my feelings. And then my actions is the reality outcome. So my thoughts were what I was thinking, my feelings or a combination or a return from my body and brain to my mind and exactly what my thoughts mean to me in that, in that moment at least. And then my actions becomes the reality outcome. My feelings are usually where the trigger starts. How does this relate to karma again? Because if I have bad feelings and bad intentions, but my actions don't look that way, I'm still hurting myself. So thoughts equals feelings equals actions equals results at least allows me to know that it's not the exact thought that equals the feeling but thoughts in general. And it's not the exact feeling of good or bad. 
that makes my actions complete or makes my actions exact. So, thoughts equals feelings equals actions equals results. And the results are the goals, the final outcome, the end of the path. Thoughts, feelings, and actions might be the journey. But where my karma is concerned, it's an everyday practice, it's an everyday life, it's an everyday energy. And me being good to myself. Who do I want to be? How do I want to be this person? In relation to the love I want to receive and put out in my life. And in relation to what my life is to me. I don't know. I continue to learn. Hopefully you're doing the same. After all, it's only one dark universe. When we go within, our consciousness becomes that light. We shine ever so bright that all we see is us. That all we believe in is us in a way to help us. I like to think you must control you before you can help to control others. I have a saying, consistency over intensity. I want to add something to that. By saying, consistency over intensity equals efficiency. Because I'm a human with this conscious brain, my fight or flight or freeze mechanism is always on. And in a way, it is an, it, and in a way, it is an efficiency tool, because I want to survive this dimension, space and time. How I do that is my choice. My thoughts, feelings, and actions, and my results to that creates my universe. I hope you understand what I'm saying. I hope you're getting it. If not, that's cool too. There's so much meaning behind the love of self that trying to find a language for it doesn't always show up. We have a new term now that you might be familiar with. <clears throat> Excuse me. There's a new term now that you might be familiar with called social exhaustion. I would say anybody over the age of 25, maybe even 30. When I say that, you feel those words. Because you were experiencing social exhaustion before there was a term for it. And maybe with the advent of social media, we needed to have that definition so accurately stated or, yeah, accurately stated. But um, nonetheless, it's real. We're all feeling a, varyish, a variation of that. And so when it's time to go inwards and it's time to calm down and it's a time to just return to peace return to stillness, return to calmness, return to acceptance. It'd be great if our karma is not in the way. <laughs> It'd be great if our thoughts, feelings, and actions and the results of that is not in the way. You know, there's that saying that money doesn't bring you happiness, but it does pay for the trips. I think Prince said that. Yeah. So just know that, I guess in that example, <laughs> the, 
Karma is the money. And if you want to pay for good trips, then you should invest well. You know, so you have long, good money. Deep pockets. Um, all right. Thanks so much for listening once again this week. It is November. The year is almost up. Woo. I don't know, man. It went pretty fast for me. I'm not going to joke. But that's what I like. I like a quick year using like quotes here. But um, lots of success for me this year. Lots of success. Lots of wins. Lots of failures. Lots of hurdles. Lots of curves. Man, I started a whole new career this year. Still in it. End up starting two new companies this year. Still in it. Man, it just gets better and better. My karma must be doing well. But I'm still looking out. <laughs> you know, I don't like to be broadsided. I know no one does it. All right. Again, take care of yourself. Namaste. And um, bye for now.